0: All right, welcome to the next Culture Hacker Podcast. My name's Shane Green, I'm gonna be your host, and I got some great guests for you today. First of all, we're gonna be talking to Anne Fulton. She's author of The Career Engagement Game, and I gotta tell you, one of my favorite fellow Kiwis. We're gonna get into why this whole career development thing needs to be front and center on your culture or employee strategy. Then I have Vince Scalia calling in. He is the organizational cultural strategist, what a cool name, uh, at Roundpeg. Uh, Roundpeg is a software platform that aggregates personal values uh, for the, everyone in the company, helps inform your people strategy, uh, customizes various culture mechanisms, and, of course, elevates employee happiness and engagement. So I'm looking forward to talking to Vince. Uh, but first, I got a couple of thoughts for you this week. Uh, This week, we were working with an organization on re-refreshing their uh, employee values, and we ended up discussing some of the common mistakes and problems that many organizations face when it comes to values. So I thought I might give you a quick recap on some of that conversation. First of all, when it comes to values, they cannot just be words on a poster or a wall. They have to be lived. They have to be found in every one of your cultural mechanisms, whether it's in selection, in orientation, in those performance conversations. Recognition should be based on it. communications and, of course, with your leaderships and actions. Quite possibly, if I don't see these values aligned throughout the organizations and these various mechanisms, I'm telling you now, these values just aren't working for you. Second of all, I find organizations just have too many. When there's too many values, you've got to ask yourself, uh, what do the employees actually have to focus on? Because I'm going to tell you now, they surely do not know. I find companies with eight or more values are just kidding themselves if they think that their values are having meaning. When it comes to the right number, my perfect number is four, five at the most. That way you can keep the employees really focused on what's important. Remember, each value needs to be defined clearly. Specifically, they should have behaviors associated with them that are observable and measurable. I want to know whether or not your employees are actually delivering on the values as it's suggested. Now, remember to keep those definitions and behaviors relevant. While the values might be date back tens, uh, maybe even hundreds of years in some of our company's cases, the reality is, is that those behaviors and definitions have to remain relevant for your current workforce so remember update your definitions as needed and remember finally hold your managers responsible for bringing those values to life Uh, you know what they're meant to be the example if your managers don't buy into it then why should your people so keep that in mind listen when it comes to values i think they're the foundation of your culture they define how people act and interact with each other they guide in decision making i think they're absolutely critical to your company's success and remember in today's transparent social media driven world i think your values are critical to keep your reputation intact and making sure that you have a consistent employee experience so ask yourself are your values contributing to your success or are they just another tick in the box or picture on the wall. All right, let's get uh, right to it. Next up, I have Ann Fulton talking to us about career development. Stay tuned. So on the Culture Checker Podcast right now, we've got Ann Fulton. She's been an organizational psychologist for more than 20 years and a famous author Anne wrote The Career Engagement Game, which again, if you're out there on Amazon.com, you can pick it up. Anne, welcome to the Cold Tracker Podcast. Great to have you on board.
1: Uh, thanks so much, Shane. It's really cool to be here today to talk about my favorite topic, career engagement.
0: Well, I'm sure we'll do that. I'm going to apologize to the listeners before because they're going to pick up on these accents and think that I'm trying to load everybody up. But Anne, uh, a fellow Kiwi Great to have you here. Let's jump right in. Listen, this whole workforce, this modern workforce, you're the expert at it. Tell us, what is going on out there? What does this workforce want?
1: Well, I think as we're heading towards a 2020 world, uh, you know, the career experience is so different than it was, you know, last year century, so my dad's career experience is very different from that that my daughters are experiencing right now. So today's worker, you know, they're really looking for involvement, they're looking to live their values, and they really want a future at work. I also think the balance of power at work um, has changed, and, 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 you know, employers did have the the power a few years ago, but that's really swung back into the employee camp now that the uh, talent wars are happening. So it's very much around, you know, meeting employees' expectations and, and, and helping them kind of get the experience that they want from their work. And employees today, they're looking for a career path and to be values-aligned, to be able to talk about their purpose. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the millennials, because, of course, they are particularly demanding and have high expectations. But, you know, there's all sectors, you know, of the population are really wanting a better experience at work.
0: Listen, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, at ColdTracker, we talk a lot about the outcome being the customer experience and we seem to hear a lot about this customer experience economy, but you said something really interesting and I kind of agree with it. I think we're actually in an employee experience economy right now because I agree with you, employees are driving everything that seems to be happening in the workplace.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really career, you know, the career experience is hot and a lot of organizations are really trying to, you know, deliver a better employee experience. You know, a decade ago, um, you know, millions of dollars was being spent on attracting employees to the organisation and building out beautiful kind of career sites that told the story. But you know what we found is that organisations weren't equally delivering on that promise that they were building out. So they built out a beautiful brand promise, um, but now you know employees are actually demanding that experience that delivers on that promise.
0: So, so when we talk experience, we're not just talking about the perks and the cool office and all those parties, are we? That, that they're wanting a lot more, and as your sort of book points out and you've already kind of jumped into this whole career development thing seems to be ranking very high on their wish list. So, you know, why has that become such a key element?
1: differentiator um, and uh, you know as, as their basic needs are met and and again the expectations of employees are you know rising around you know free food in the cafeteria and that kind of thing but research has actually shown that it's not a differentiator it doesn't make a difference with retaining people if you're giving them you know free m and ms or whatever else you know some of the Googles of this world are doing it's actually coming down to the learning experience and and the you know how I can grow my career with this organization is the differentiator so you know 70% of people Leave their organisations because they have a perceived lack of career development. Um, you know, so, so, so people are leaving the organisation if they're not getting what they want. Um, and we also know, you know, that it's, it's cheaper to retain talent uh, than it is to, you know, hire new employees. So, you know, it's, it's better to invest in the people that you have than to spend, you know, um, you know, hundreds or hundreds of thousands of dollars getting new people in the door and then having them leave six months or a year or eighteen months later. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, listen, you're you're absolutely so right. Let me ask you, though, this whole career development thing, is it just an HR thing? Is, Is it just about HR people that should have this responsibility? Or do we need to see this kind of being a priority throughout the whole company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When you can get it right, I mean, it really needs to be that everyone should have some responsibility, you know, for the organization and the organization's culture. So it shouldn't just be about HR saying, you know, this is the culture we want. I mean, I think people have got to own it you know, from the employees right through to the leaders. Um, and HR have really just got to be the enablers and support this. But, um, you know, in some of the best organisations that we're working with, you know, we're aiming to really help them be a truly self-developing organisation so that the employees are not only driving and, and de- delivering on, on their own learning and growth, but, the, the, but they're also contributing to the growth of that business.
0: So I love, so, so taking right from the book, I, I want to jump into this because you really say in the book that any career development program has got to be individually driven, manager enabled, and organizational supported. So you kind of got all these elements working. So let, let's kind of get into these. What does the organizations need to do to support career development? What what, what has to be the crown zero? What, what do they need to put into play?
1: I mean, I think Firstly, it's about setting the charter, you know, for, for profitable growth for both the business and for the employees, you know, so that it becomes a win-win. So so the organisation needs to, you know, set the ground rules and the philosophy and the vision um, and, and involve their people in that vision, but set the charter and then just really enable, um, you know, with tools and resources. And we, and we particularly find where it's done really well. Um, You know, there's organisations that are um, educating their employees on, you know, the importance of career agility today because it is so different from, you know, last century. So, yeah, it, educating people around the realities of the workforce today and what employees need to do to be able to respond to that, you know, working reality.
0: You know, one of the things – I was working with a, a client sort of in the last couple of weeks, and one of the things that came up about career development – and I'm not sure if this you find this – but they were really scared about career development because they believed – that it was about promising jobs to their employees. Career development doesn't require us to promise jobs, does it? It's really about setting paths and showing them how to get to a certain position over time. Am I wrong in this thinking? Because it really stuck out to me that this company was kind of stuck because they had this mentality.
1: Yeah, I think there's two things that I want to say there. So, yeah, uh, firstly, that you're right. It's about creating that roadmap for growth and learning. Because we talk about, you know, today's workforce reality. It's not about the old staircase where every two years you might have got a promotion and, and continue to rise up that across your career lifetime. Today, it's about longer runs. And steeper rises, so it's got a longer time at the coal face, longer time in the same role. So our challenge, you know, in organisations and is to support it, is for people to get learning across those um, longer runs so that they're engaged, they're contributing, they've got career growth without any job title change. And, and that's kind of the challenge. The second part of what you're talking about is that fear of having that conversation. Like, if we start talking about careers, are we going to open a minefield within our organization and then people are going to want to leave? You know, the, the real reality around this is that if you don't ask the question, you know, like, what's the kind of career, that you, what, what what do you want in your career experience? The reality is that somebody else is going to ask them that question down the road and they're going to look for it elsewhere. So, you know, you have to get over that fear and ask the question because otherwise you're putting your head in the and missing out, you know, some, um, you know, um, you know, real valuable gold dust in terms of information for so simple questions to your employees, you know, like. What, what would make your career more satisfying? What would make your work more satisfying? So simple to ask, and there'll be gold dust in there. You know, a second question could be, you know, what what, what else could you contribute to this organisation if you had that opportunity? And our research showed that 70% of people actually want to contribute more to their organisations. You just need to find out what it is they want to do or how they think they can help. So asking those really, really simple questions can unlock some real um, potential
0: in your workforce. Another topic that's come up around organizational responsibilities. We know we've got a younger generation workforce coming in right now. It seems they kind of get hired three weeks later, they're already asking for when is that next promotion going to happen? So one of the things that we seem to struggle with a lot is When do you start them on this path to becoming managers, leaders, to basically become growth? One of the sort of uh, uh, challenges and I think frustrations is is that many organizations don't start developing leadership until you give them a title. Do we have to start bringing that forward a lot earlier these days and getting people on the path to that promotion a lot quicker and not kind of thinking that there's this one-year, two-year kind of waiting sort of uh, time before we actually get them on this path to their future?
1: Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, I think people need to be picking up the skills, you know, ahead of the curve or, or before they need to use them. So creating opportunities for that is, you know, kind of one of the skills that we kind of work with. And, and, and the, our, our viewpoint is that everyone can become a coach within a business. So, you know, Shane, you might be able to coach me on how to interview on a podcast. <laughs> (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm not sure on that one, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I might be able to coach you on how to do a reference check, but everyone's got a skill that they have that they can share with somebody else. If you can enable other people to kind of do that coaching and and learning sharing across the business, it doesn't have to cost you much at all, and yet you're giving people those growth opportunities that's helping them prepare for an opportunity that's down the road, And, and that's particularly true of those millennials who are so hungry. For um, you know, learning and growth and, and to, sense, you know, to get that sense that they are building towards a future for themselves, so you've, you've got to kind of give them that sense that they're building their career assets and adding to their career marketability. Um, you know, is really important.
0: So let's talk to our HR sort of team out there. I, I, I talk to a lot of uh, HR professionals, and it seems they're always doing these presentations, whether it's to ownerships, executive groups, about the ROI of culture and. and in these certain investments. So organizationally, if you're going to get sort of career development, it seems like there's an investment of time, money, certainly resources. Tell me, how should the HR professional approach this presentation about ROI or this business case for them to really invest heavily in career development?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a really good business case usually starts with Um, you know, understanding where there's a pain point uh, in the organisation. And is it because you've got too many people leaving or is it because you've got employees plateaued, you know, um, and stale and stagnant and not contributing? So it's just thinking about what that pain point is. Um, You know, if it is around retention, you know, what we've found is that, you know, if you can save just even one employee, you know, you've more than covered your investment um, in a career development solution. Because, you know, that person's, you know, the, the cost of training that person, you know, the cost of replacement, the lost productivity, the lost, um, you know, organisational knowledge, all of those things add up to being, you know, three or four times the salary of an individual. So if you start to kind of um, aggregate that, um, you know, even if you can keep, um, you know, if, you're, if you've got a larger organisation, if you can keep a number of employees for even another three or six months, there's a huge return on investment that's available, to, um, to the organization. We, we've also found, we've seen what we call a positive gain spiral. So if you are able to provide a career development proposition, Other people see other people getting opportunities, so therefore they hang around longer because they can see that there's an opportunity um, maybe ahead of them. And um, you're getting a positive gain spiral, Um, there's more internal talent um, um, mobility, there's um, faster time to hire, there's faster time to productivity because you're taking on people that know the business, You know, they know the game, they've got contacts um, and they'll be really, you know, much faster. So it's much more effective to keep somebody and promote somebody than it is, you know, to um, bring in new talent. So a lot of organisations have been focusing kind of unnecessarily on, you know, bringing in... Uh, fresh talent when they should really be nurturing and looking at the talent pool that exists within the organization
0: so where do you think i mean if you're sort of looking at this business case you know around culture where do you think career development sits on this hierarchy of priorities right now for an organization or an hr team that is seriously looking at you know improving their retention
1: yeah, I think I think that uh, you know the uh, relationship between career development and culture is you know a really interesting one, and I think um, you know. Th- the career journey or the career experience of the employee is the employee's experience of that culture. So it's every touch point that the employee has with that organization from pre-hire, you know, why would I join, what you know, the attraction piece, to, you know, why would I stay, where can I go, who do I need to connect with, you know, what's going to be my career experience. So, you know, we th- we think um, designing an employee experience and, and touch points across the entire employee lifecycle, you know, is, is a really valuable investment and it helps you kind of create the kind of culture that you want so you know one of the earliest conversations that we support um, our clients to have with their employees is around values so you know what are your personal values and how do they align with the business values so you're creating a really strong alignment point you know between the individual and the organization and then the kind of second touch point we usually have is around the skills and talents you know so so really you know from a career point of view what 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 are my motivated talents? What do I most love to do and what am I good at? And then sharing that with the organization and looking at how that aligns with the business needs and where else I can contribute. So you're starting to tap into that hidden talent and potential within an organization. So kind of, you know, um, I think the employee career experience in some senses is you know, the employee's experience of that culture. So we we look to create as many alignment points as possible and as many touch points that support the employee on that journey um, as opposed to it only happening, you know, before you join where you hear all these great stories about what other people are doing and what, that, what it might be like to look into that organisation. And then from the minute you join, you know, you perhaps lose those touch points. So we're really committed to helping organisations create a great career story that's really personalized for each and every employee. Everyone wants something different. So, you know, enabling um, organizations to tell that personalized story is, is really powerful.
0: So, I mean, that's just a really interesting piece because, you know, rather than sort of piecemealing to look at all these different mechanisms, in some ways, career development, as I said, because it has all these touch points, it truly is about the whole employee experience and journey. It is about career today, correct?
1: Absolutely. Well, that- employees look at it. you know this is their personal experience so you know the more a business can personalize it back to what the employee wants you know so um, what's important to them that's their values what are they good at and, and what are they what skills do they want to use that's their talents and then what really interests that employee what sparks them to want to learn more so that's the kind of passion piece of the equation so we kind of look at those three factors and really help um, organisations find some touch points that really um, deepen the commitment um, of the employee to that organisation
0: very cool all right so we got the organization responsibility let's go to the manager i gotta tell you i've, I've had some managers over the years and, and i don't think it was just about me but you know what you have managers who are just scared all of a sudden you know you're you're empowering employees you're enabling them you got them on these career paths i've had managers i think all our listeners have had managers that don't want to talk career because you know what it's it kind of seems like it's threatening or setting them up to take their job. What's the responsibility of the manager? Because as you have sort of indicated in your book, they have to be a big part of this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the leaders are absolutely critical in this conversation. So if we power up the employees, you know, to, to own their own career and to get all hyped up and motivated about their future, you know, unless you're kind of um, creating a partnership with, between the leader and the employee as well, you know, you, you're, you're almost setting it up for failure. So... we we really focus on um, helping leaders having those simple but powerful conversations and, um, you know, so that they're able to take away the kind of fear and understand that actually by asking the question, you're, you're reducing the risk of losing that person and you're increasing the risk, you know, increasing the chance of that person contributing more by asking those questions as opposed to having that fear, you know, oh, what are they going what, what to say? What, what am I going to say if, they, if they, um, that person wants my job? And, you know, it's, it's never actually about that. If you ask the right questions, um, you're really going to have a powerful kind of partnership. So obviously, helping leaders to deliver those quality coaching conversations is something that you know we we really like to support organisations to do.
0: But how 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 do you make that manager that does have that fear that oh my god this this person's going to take my job if I teach them everything sort of I know how do you coach them and make them feel comfortable? I, I I've used this kind of sane sort of. Uh, A lot uh, when I'm out there on the road speaking the only way a manager becomes indispensable is to become dispensable and by that you know you've you become so valuable when you become and basically you make your job redundant because other people are doing it there's not enough of these managers out there who are truly sort of coaches but creators of truly great staff I think they're the most valuable resource a company can have today but there's not enough on them because people just don't see it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think your um, you know one-liner there is a really really powerful one, and I think um, you know I think it's a matter of you know one making it simple for managers so that they can take the fear away. Once they've practiced and tried using these simple questions, you know it, it can kind of transform the way that their employees actually see them and um you know, transform that relationship and then, and then the imp- the leader can see the benefits of You know the value of um, the talent and potential sitting within their workforce, as opposed to having that mentality. I can't afford to lose that person, because um, you know that that whole talent hoarding mentality, which uh, you know is is rife in organisations. But if they can see the benefit in having people contributing a little bit more and having more fun at work and being more values aligned, you know there's a lot of um, payback for the manager, and also builds their confidence and their leadership skills. So. Yeah, we've seen that happen you know at all levels, you know even right down to kind of the blue collar level where these um, yeah um, you know first line leaders are really able to even deliver some fabulous coaching conversations in simplicity.
0: So we've got the organisation, the managers. I love the fact that you say that the staff or the worker has to take some responsibility as well for their career how do you get the staff to take that responsibility or what are those responsibilities? How does an organization sort of get the employee to take a few steps? So it's not just about, you know, take, take, take.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few kind of steps in that process. And and, and number one has got to be educating the employee, you know, around the 2020 reality that we have today, you know, which is that, you know, the career experience is very different. Um, you know, that, um, over is the new up and that, you know, um, growth does not necessarily mean vertical. You know, so so a little bit of education first is really, really powerful. But beyond that, um, you know, we, we... we kind of like to hook employees in with a with a visible line of sight to where they can go, but we bring them immediately back to the now as to what they need to do to get there, so that they can see a roadmap. And I think it's just having that visible line of sight to that roadmap that makes a difference for an employee, um, and that they can see what they need to do, and that they're not waiting for HR or their line manager to tell them, well, you need to do these three things to be ready for X, Y, Z. The employee's got that information at their fingertips and is able to kind of start to map out their own learning and um growth path you know our our kind of um Vision is really that we're we're having these self-developing organisations, so that you know employees are owning their own growth and development and contributing to the growth of the business is, is the kind of outcome that we're working towards.
0: I love the vision. I think uh, I think a lot of people out there listening will will love it as well. So, where do you start with career development? And, and you know, because again, when you go to a lot of organisations, honestly, I think it's it, it's down on the priority list because there's not a strong understanding of where do we begin? What are the, what are the essentials? So if, if a practitioner is listening there, they want to get their career development program up and running. They want to make it more uh, inclusive in the culture. What, what would you say? What are the first steps? Where do you start?
1: great places to start by asking employees, you know, what they want and you can do that individually or collectively, you know, and, and getting to, you know, to hear about, you know, what, 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 is, what it is that the employees are actually wanting and, and that's a powerful um, first step and some of our clients have done that really nicely by, you know, getting a little group of people together and, and or, you know, creating a project team that own it so that it is seen to be coming from the business itself. You know, so it's not necessarily HR or or leadership that's asking the question, but there's a project team saying, oh, we're looking at the employee career experience here. Um, You know, what is it that you'd like to see? And, and, you know, running a few focus groups is, is a really powerful place to start and then you know that kind of gives you the roadmap between you know the what is now and and what could be as being a really, really good starting point
0: so so I, I listen I, and i know you're you're a big proponent of technology and, and the benefits, and one of the things that we're seeing right now is that human resources as a uh, sort of entity is being transformed with the amazing technology that they have available to them today. Technology seems like this would be uh, one of those areas, career development, where technology could really help an organization, an HR department, or even the individuals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that technology, um, you know, is um, absolutely an, an enabler. And up until now, organisations have had their recruitment management systems and they've had their performance management systems. But, you know, the reality is, is that, um, you know, career management systems can actually make this piece really easy for the organisation to deliver on far easier than you know most people think you know most people think oh providing a career pathway is really hard and you know we need to have perfect job descriptions and all that kind of thing but the reality is is that with technology as with most things you know um we we can crowdsource that information from your employees themselves you know by giving them an opportunity for your employees to think about their values and talents and then enable them to um you know share that information in a linkedin style kind of experience that tells the the organization's own story. So your technology is a, a really powerful tool that can, um, you know, make this easy both for your leaders and HR but also for the employees themselves.
0: Perfect. Now, listen, I know you, you've, you've worked with a lot of organizations. You, you've seen it, done it. What are the pitfalls? What are you got to be careful about as you start to go down this, all right, I'm, I'm going to get make career development a focus, priority What would you caution our listeners? What do you have to be careful of? What have you seen out there where a company can maybe quickly go wrong?
1: Um, You know, I I think the, the 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 biggest pitfall, and I I mentioned it already, is that you know by neglecting you know, the career question and and by not making it visible to people and and not bringing it out as being part of, you know, the organisation's experience and the culture, you're taking a massive risk by not asking the question and not talking about it, you know, just pretending it's not an issue is not actually going to help. So I think, you know, number one is is putting it on the table and, um, you know, making it open and transparent and and building a conversation around it is a really great place to start. Cool. yeah, and that's kind of the biggest risk, I think, is that, you know, by not addressing it or pretending it's not an issue is probably the,
0: the biggest risk that you can take. So examples out there. Who's playing the uh, career engagement game really well right now? Uh, are you, I mean, are you, can you give us an example uh, or, or some companies out there that we could look at that have seemed to be getting it right?
1: Yeah, there's some amazing examples. And uh, I, I guess I've got two examples coming to mind as being, you know, um, awesome examples of, of a really great career experience. And they're, they're at um, each end of the spectrum. So some of the businesses we're working with you know, have 50,000 or 100,000 employees. So doing it at scale you'd think would be hard, but it's not, not as hard as you think. Um, but I've also got a small organisation that I can tell a story about. So, so the first one that comes to mind is um, MasterCard. And, you know, we've worked across their entire organization. And one of the pitfalls, you know, that, that I could have, you know, mentioned is that they tried to build some internal solutions, um, you know, on the intranet and got so complicated and employees kind of got more confused. And so what what we saw at MasterCard was kind of simplifying and personalizing that career experience um, and that they built a beautiful campaign around the career experience. So if you can think of the MasterCard ads that they have, you know, around priceless, you know, like being in Thailand and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, experiencing whatever, you know, is a a priceless moment in your career. So what we did... um with MasterCard was to create a priceless career experience campaign, or this is what MasterCard did. So getting a job down the corridor, priceless. (laughs) Connecting with one of your colleagues and and having a learning moment, priceless. So there was a whole series of uh, kind of campaign moments around building the career experience that told a a really values-aligned story for them. So that was fabulous. And at the other end of the spectrum, um, a small organization that was a shell um, you know, petrol distributor... Um, 300 in that organisation, they they did a beautiful job really of upskilling the leaders around um, career conversations and quality coaching conversations um, and um, put ownership of the culture and um, employment experience in the hands of employees. So they really wanted their people involved in defining the culture from day one and have gone on to win some awards and become a Best Places to Work um, company. So, you know, it's possible to do it at all levels um, to actually transform, you know, the career experience, but in a way that also delivers business outcomes because that organisation got some great... um, um, business growth and, you know, won uh, an MPS award um, as well as uh, Employment Engagement Award. So, you know, they're, they're picking up awards across the spectrum as well as seeing revenue growth. So really, really nice story of the difference that employees can make when they're enabled, you know, yep. to, make, to, to contribute more and add value and, and, and – bring more of their talents to the fore in those organizations.
0: I love it. As I said, we've got two good lessons there around career development. One, educate, promote, and make it fun and engaging for your staff. I think that's a great lesson. And then on the other side, getting everyone involved. And particularly as smaller organizations, the opportunity to put the responsibility on everyone, I think is absolutely awesome. Listen, Anne, you have been a wealth of information today, a real pleasure to have on the show, and it's, it's great to be able to talk. You're doing a lot of, a lot of great work out there for our listeners i highly suggest picking up the career engagement game it's a fantastic easy to read book but it really does give you not only that business case but it starts to map how to approach career development and if our listeners want to get hold of you what's the best way to find you i know i I know it's probably in an airport because you're so busy but uh if i have to find you where do we go
1: Yeah, that's that's true. So I'm Anne with an E at fuel50.com. And you can check out our website at um, www.fuel50.com. And we've got a whole corner of our um, website that's really delivered to helping leaders and HR practitioners deliver a better career experience. So there's lots of how-tos and insight guides that we'd love you guys to pick up and have a look at. So, you know, we're, we're we're committed to helping people do a better job of this.
0: Listen, take advantage. Anne is one of the great ones out there. Fuel50, F U E L 50.com. 0com Check it out. Drop Anne a line. Let us know what you think. And a real pleasure. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Shane. It's it's been a real pleasure. Really great. Fun.
0: We'll see you at the at an, through an airport soon. All right. Thanks very much, Anne Fulton. Again, at Fuel50, get the book, The Career Engagement Game. So keeping going here on our Culture Hacker podcast, very excited. I've got Vince Scalia He's our Director of Customer Acquisition for a really cool company platform, Roundpeg. You've probably heard about it. Vince, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, Shane. We had a a killer week, Uh, talked to a lot of new prospects, actually working with a lot of new customers after this week and heading into uh, October ahead of the curve.
0: All right, well, good, listen. Tell us, what's going on? How did Round Peg start out? What were you guys uh, looking at in the marketplace uh, that sort of said, you know what, we got got an opportunity here? How did it all begin?
2: So, about almost seven years ago now, uh, a group of three founders came together sort of serendipitously to build a platform to help organizations not just manage, but really understand their organizational culture. Uh, One of our founders had had a interesting experience at his last place of work. He just didn't feel like a great culture fit. And he knew that it's really difficult for organizations to hire people who are good culture fits. uh, And that that's also a huge part of long-term performance and retention. Uh, So he began wondering, you know, maybe I can build a piece of software that, that makes it easier to do that. We have another founder named Natalie Baumgartner. She has a PhD in org psych, and she, man, she's like one of the smartest women I've ever met. And she had this experience working as a consultant, coming into organizations, helping them understand their culture, uh, and then helping them build an operational strategy around that. Hugely time-consuming, massive amount of effort on her part. And she was looking for a way to scale the work that she was doing and obviously software is a great place to do that. Uh, and then third is our other founder Tim Walters, he's got a background in data analytics, he's a huge nerd and he is also a serial entrepreneur. And what he noticed is in four of his companies, two were very successful, two not quite successful as people that had hoped maybe, culture was the differentiating factor. But again, stories happened by chance in those two successful companies. He began to wonder, maybe I can build a piece of software that collects data, and I can use this data background to synthesize a you know, really easy way to understand your organizational culture. And like I said, they worked on this problem individually, all in Boulder by chance, Boulder, Colorado, and they just serendipitously came together uh, and found the peg out of Techstars in, I want to say, class of 2010.
0: So so it sounds like, you, you, as you said, you brought these really smart people together. But can you talk a little bit more? What, what have they talked about that they felt was wrong with the culture or was the elements that was really creating problems in their startups or in the companies that they'd been working for, what sort of things did they, that they think? You, you talked a little bit about this idea of culture fit. Um, so obviously for you guys, culture fit is so important, yet for so many people out there, they seem to be uh, more focused still on the idea of you know, job fit or getting skills uh, for, for the right fit rather than culture fit. So what did, what, what, what did they learn from their previous bad and maybe uh, experiences that kind of brought this to life? The
2: first thing that you mentioned there is really important. Is People don't have a great definition of what culture is. Some people think it's the ping pong and beer keg. Some people think it's the, we all wear suits to work in. It's a very formal environment, and, and that that's the culture. And what the research tells us is that the culture is a combination of a lot of stuff. It's a combination of the values of your employees, how they like to be rewarded, how they like to communicate, how they like to make decisions. It's a combination of the policies and procedures that an organization puts in place around those, those areas. And it's, it's been very difficult to quantify that. So this concept, it comes to us from the academic community, it's called person environment fit. And what that says specifically is the best cultures are the ones where people fit well in their environments. And to determine that, you can look at a person's values. If I really value opportunities for growth, fairness, and rewarding team success, and being quick to take advantage of opportunities, and I'm in an organization that doesn't provide a ton of training, promotes by appointment, and inspires a lot of competition between individuals rather than rewarding team success, well, we're not going to have a super healthy culture, and we're not going to have a way to go select people, candidates who fit into our culture. So at Roundpeg, the missing link is values. It's really difficult to know what your individual employees' values are and to see that in aggregate across your organization.
0: Love that. Love what you're sort of getting us into here, which is this idea that, you know, this values, this match has to be there for people to be successful and the organization to be successful as well. Because as we know, turnover, there's a lot of expense by getting the wrong people in at the wrong job. So I love where you guys are coming from. So tell me, let's, let's talk about the platform now. What, what have you created? Obviously, it's a piece of software. Uh, you've got some very smart people. You've got uh, psychology. You've got all these elements coming together. So what does round peg do for us today and how's it impacting culture
2: so what round peg does is provides that quantified view of your employees values and it's so simple it's almost comically simple we start off with an assessment people are very used to taking these ours comes from the academic community just like everything that we do and we take inventory essentially of uh of the values in your organization takes about seven minutes for an employee to complete you send it out across the org and our software does the heavy lifting and it aggregates that information for you and just shows you a stack rank. Hey, across your organization, here's the values that people said are most important and here's what they said are least important. And because we're just working with data, you know, we pulled Tim Walters, that big data nerd in, he makes it super easy to sort that data so we can look at different departments and how they compare. Maybe there's... A lot of, te- you know, there's your marketing department with three different marketing teams. You can look at each team within that department and how their values might be unique. What we found is that organizations have definitely an overarching culture, but they have these really strong subcultures. And being able to compare one culture to another produces some pretty fascinating results. Uh, one example of a customer I'm working with right now, they have a big turnover problem. They know that their top performers are massively more productive uh, than the second quartile and they also stick around a lot longer. So they compared the top performing quartile with the next quartile and they highlighted some values that were just very unique on the top performers. And then they built a hiring profile based off of that so that they can go select candidates that are more likely to be top performers. They're going to fit in with their teammates better, they're going to fit in with managers better, and they're probably better fits for the job. There's something intrinsic about the job that might be hard to put their finger on, but they know people that have these sorts of values that they tend to do really well at this role.
0: So I love it. So you've, you're getting this culture fit, which we know is just so important. So during the hiring process, we've got kind of this blueprint on how to get and select the right people. But the really cool part that I'm really interested about with your software is what happens next. Because as we talk about a lot at Culture Hacker, it's about a lot of mechanisms working together in alignment to ultimately create culture. Because you can't just select great people, but then forget about them once they've hired. In fact, we, we have a blog and one of the chapters in the book that talks about... Onboarding and orientation is just a big waste of talent because we get all these really great people hired with great fit But then we kind of forget about them So talk to me now how round Pig kind of takes the next steps in this cultural journey with the employee and the sort of impact that it's having
2: Yeah, so we have we have a few different tools to access this this data Some of our people are very strategic They just want to look at the data and some people need access to those tools like like you just described So we have a management tool, and we have a separate engagement tool, and they work kind of in tandem. The manager tool provides the manager a very core level view of their team's subculture, the values that are important to just the people on their team. And that provides a way for managers to tailor their style to the team. An easy example there is a sales team I worked with recently. They built sales spiffs that were really targeted around individual success. It's a cold calling environment, high frequency, a lot of data behind it. And they're giving out, you know, $100 prize to the number one caller at the end of the week. And week after week, the same person's getting the prize. And the whole point is to drive performance. And after using Roundpeg, what they found is, wow, on our team, they really value rewarding team success. And they actually specifically say that individual competition and being aggressive is not important to them at all. This, this spiff that we're having is not in line to go back to that term with the values of my team. So the manager reorganized their, their spiff plan and separated the team into smaller groups and then had the smaller groups compete against one another. And that way the, team was rewarded, the winning team had uh, received the reward, and employees got to work according to their value, which is rewarding team success and being loyal to their teammates and helping their teammates succeed, and results were really impressive. Uh, some B players moved into an A player category. and. Many C players became B players overnight because the incentive was aligned to their values. Cold calling is a tough job. It's hard to find a lot of reward there. There's a lot of people saying no. But when I like my teammates, when I'm being comped in a way that's important, when I'm being communicated with in a way that's important to me. That's when I'm gonna perform my best, even at a difficult task like cold calling.
0: So I'm really liking this because I think one of the things that we talk a lot about is that managers, you can't you, you can't have a one size fits all coaching or feedback program for staff today. You really do need this individualized approach. So through your software and your platform, you're really able to give managers that kind of groundwork on how to approach, how to communicate, how to give feedback to their employees to actually get the best out of them. So you're kind of enabling and empowering uh, staff through this information you're able to give the managers.
2: Yeah, yeah, you nailed it 100%. And most managers, are, they're, they're high-performer kind of people, and they drive performance on their teams the way they like to be. Managed and sometimes that's not in line with their team. So Round peg provides a way to highlight what's similar between a manager and also what what a variance is. If you know, Shane, if you're a big risk taker and you're quick to take advantage of opportunities, and I'm a bit more pragmatic and I, I like to weigh every aspect. If if you're my manager, you're gonna feel like I'm dragging my feet, and I'm gonna feel like I'm riding on the edge of my seat all the time, and we're gonna have conflict. So Roundpeg sometimes. People highlight uh, their value variances right in the software, and the software provides supportive actions for them to overcome that and and span the gap.
0: So I gotta imagine, this is pretty popular with managers. What have been the response of managers getting this type of information? I mean, this is getting to the heart of what coaching and leading is all about. You got They gotta be loving this.
2: So it was a little bit slow to, to take off. People are sometimes skeptical to assess their team, to to find out that they have a, a unique mix of alignment on their team. But as word got out that, hey, this is totally strength-based, there's, there's almost no feedback here in terms of criticizing my manager or an employee's performance. The entire application is strength-based, and it provides just such a basic level of information. We, we don't dive into really deep communication styles and personality assessments. We just provide you with a, a database look at what your employees value, and it's probably pretty similar to the database look that you're basing your marketing decisions on or your sales leadership decisions on. Everyone's looking at data these days, and they don't want it to be complicated and hard to interpret, and that's what we're, we're providing them with. And managers have been pretty fired up about just how basic it is.
0: Good, good. I like it when you keep things simple. You enable uh, people and business. So let's keep the data idea going, because I know the the other piece that's interesting is that you're also measuring this idea of employee engagement. So is it like a continuous pulse, or how do you, how, how are you getting this data from the employees about how they're feeling, about how they, uh, about their work, and what's going on in the organization?
2: Yes, yeah, so you nailed it. We we use a standard set of ten questions that most of our customers are sending out at least twice a year. Uh, and to expand on that a little bit, we push customers and encourage them to send out this this engagement survey maybe quarterly. And some of our customers are even sending it out on a monthly basis. Our philosophy is that you wouldn't check the weather in June to decide what you're going to wear in October. So sending in an engagement survey out once a year that asks 100 questions, it provides you with a ton of info, but it can be really, really hard to take action on it. And by the time you get around to taking action, the temperature's changed. So we've reduced that list down to 10 questions we find really core to employee engagement and send that out in a pulse style. That's not super unique though. There's a lot of companies moving that way. That's you know that's an obvious an obvious issue with the traditional model of engagement. I mean you might know better than me but since the early 90s engagement has really popped up on the map. And the numbers have remained relatively stable despite millions and millions of dollars worth of time and money invested in engagement surveys, engagement strategies, consulting. And what we think the missing link is and what really differentiates us is this bit about values. It can be really hard to take action on your employee engagement survey results if you don't know what is actually important to employees. Maybe you find out that the way expectations are delivered, you have a very low engagement score around that. And no manager wants to deliver expectations poorly. No no manager just is standing in front of their team and, and shouting down at them. They genuinely want people to have a clear idea of what's expected of them. They, they get comp better when that happens. They feel better. They. They're responsible for these people. They want their team to do well. The problem is it's hard to know how to make those expectations clear in a way that resonates with their team. So with RoundPeg, we link everything back to their team's core hardwired values. And we say, hey, your team values sharing information freely. And when you set expectations with them, be clear with them about the data that went into determining that that was a goal goal worth pursuing. Be clear with them about how they're going to achieve those goals and what tools you're gonna provide and what support you're gonna provide to them to get to those goals. And overall, are you sharing information freely on your team? You have to look inwards to determine that, but that may be the source of a low engagement score around expectations. And what we found with our customers is they make these little micro adjustments at the manager level and that improves their engagement scores. And ultimately, we wouldn't be working on this if it didn't improve performance and increase retention.
0: You know, as I say, what I really love is that, you know, you've brought everything back to the values. And this is one of the things that we talk about at Culture Hacker all the time. The values aren't some philosophical bullshit. They're not, so, you know, a bunch of words that sit on a wall. And the fact that you're able to elevate and put these values into effect, whether they're organizationally based or individually paced, you can have a real impact on how people feel about coming to work. Because at, at the heart of the day, I think that's what culture is. It's how do I feel? What's my mindset walking into this place today? What is my experience like? And that is having such a wide impact. So the fact you're bringing values, defining how people act and interact all the way through the organization and all the way through the process and all these other mechanisms, I think that's your secret. And I think that's absolutely right on. And more organizations need to understand that the values aren't just a piece of paper. You pull them all the way through and you can have some real power with that. And you have managers actually utilizing something and having powerful conversations. So tell me, give me an example. You know, I mean, obviously you guys are really successful, but business case that stands out in your mind that uh, is really utilizing your platform and software to great success and really shifting their culture in a positive direction.
2: Yeah, we, we worked with a company called MakerBot.
0: Uh, have you ever heard of those folks before? No, but they sound pretty cool. They like they, they make these killer robots or something. What what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, they
2: they're they were early entrant into the three D printer space, and you know that's just cool. blowing up like crazy now. Yep. So they came to us with about sixty employees, and they just raised a truckload of money. And you, you've been in the game, you know. You raise a bunch of money. What are you doing? You're hiring. And you don't get to 60 employees and raising a ton of money without an awesome product and an awesome culture to get you there. And they were really scared that they were going to hire people by fog and mirrors and and put them in chairs, and they weren't going to be good culture fits. And that this culture that had made them so unique, that had brought them to this place where they were, you know, had the opportunity to grow at this breakneck speed, they were afraid it was going to be compromised. So they built a profile of the values that were in their organization that they felt were very desirable and very core to their long-term success. And they hired against that profile, and they grew from 60 employees to well over 400 employees. And as we tracked the data over time, we saw that their culture values profile stayed relatively stable, and they were acquired for gosh, I want to say at least $600 million, which nice. is definitely not a small exit for, for a company in that time timeframe. Uh, and they credit their culture with being a huge part of that success. Just like you said, people found their work family. They came into work every day, found their work family, and they were happy to work hard, not just for the company, but for their teammates and for their managers and, and for the people that believed the same stuff that they believed.
0: I love it. You know, it's it's so important. We work with a number of startup groups ourselves and, you know, in the startup, Uh, Sort of, uh, and I'll call it a culture, but in the startup phase, you know, culture isn't always the first priority. It's all about getting your product out and getting out into market. But the fact that, you know, you see these successful startups, again, culture does play such a huge part because every hire is so critical. So that's a really awesome example. So thanks for sharing that. Vince, this is great stuff. You guys are really doing some awesome one. Ladies and gentlemen out there, if you're interested in Roundpeg, go and see them, roundpeg.com. R-O-U-N-D-P-E-G-G dot com. Vince, can they find you and get hold of you uh, if they've got some questions?
2: Yeah, I sure can. My email is just Vince B-I-N-C-E. At roundpeg.com, and there's two G's there.
0: All right, perfect. That is so easy. Listen, Vince, thanks very much for joining us. You guys keep up the good work out there. Ladies and gentlemen, Vince Scalia from Roundpeg, please reach out, check out what's going on. Again, they're really making some inroads into the idea of impacting culture through a very strong values based proposition. Vince, thanks very much for joining us.
2: Thank you, Shane.
0: All right, we've had some great insights today. Thank you, Vince, Uh, again and earlier. It was fantastic. Uh, Here's my final thought this week, and I gotta tell you, this week I'm talking about meetings. All right, whether it's that daily, weekly, monthly, or project meeting, it seems everybody's having them, of course, but unfortunately, they've become pointless, predictable, and painful for many who have to attend them. Listen, the bottom line is there's too many people involved and too little planning to really make these meetings productive. And you know what the other thing is? I often find the least organized and least productive people are the ones that want more meetings. Listen, it's time to challenge the worth of your meetings. If they don't have a purpose associated with achieving company goals, don't have an agenda, don't require people to pre-work or plan don't allow everyone involved to speak and have too many people more than 10 then maybe it's time to cancel that meeting and rework it as it was intended meetings should be opportunities to talk share plan and grow and if your meetings aren't do it it's time to change it up hey listen thanks everybody for listening in check out my new book culture hacker it's out on shelves uh on april 24th follow me on twitter at underscore Shane Green. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks as always for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Cheers.